Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We want to give a shout out to any new listeners who are joining us for the very first time. We're happy to have you on board. For those of you who have been here from the start, you already know the drill. We live and die by this team just like the rest of you, and we make no apologies for that. So welcome into another Bastards Roundtable episode. I am your host, Jason Kelly, coming to you from Canton, Massachusetts. If you want to find us on Twitter, you can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining me tonight on the roundtable from Los Angeles, California, jumping in from the weekend crew, Charlie Smith. Charlie, how are you? Doing all right, my friend. Hoping that this uh, next series goes a little bit better than the one that we just uh, had to witness and undergo. But, you know, it is what it is. On to... On to better days. Yeah, yeah, and we'll, uh, you know, we'll we'll certainly hope for that as as each series comes up going forward because they need the wins badly and uh, just hasn't been coming. But it is what it is. Also joining us on the roundtable tonight from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine, Terry Cushman. Terry, how are you? Not too bad. I have three passions in this world: playing cribbage. Drinking Monster Energy and trashing the Red Sox pitching program, which we will be doing, well, I will be doing uh, in the first segment here. <laughs> That's a very specific list of passions, so I, I give you credit for that, yeah. But, um, yeah, you mentioned it, the Red Sox pitching staff, which faltered in Washington uh, badly, a, a series that really they should have ate up that that Nationals lineup, but... It went the other way around. Uh, the Nationals ate them up, and by courtesy of some old Red Sox friends, too, Jeter Downs, Michael Chavis, uh, really taking it to them. And we were talking off-air before we, we came on here about some of the acquisitions around the league and the way they've been pitching. We all know how Michael Lorenzen has done since going to Philadelphia. We were keeping track of Lance Lynn since being trades to the Dodgers and how he's just been invincible ever since he got there and then we kind of thought about well the Red Sox didn't trade for any starting pitching but they always seem to bring in veterans in the offseason and it never works I mean this past season Corey Kluber was your latest example one year 10 million dollars and his career is basically over like he he's basically done after being a serviceable back end of the rotation starter last year you fast forward or you rewind rather two years ago. Garrett Richards, same deal. One year, $10 million deal. And he sucked. He was awful. Couldn't stay in the rotation. Had a little bit of success in the bullpen, but ultimately was just a failure. And you have to wonder what is the deal there? Why is it that the Red Sox can never figure out how to properly not just develop pitching, but you know, harness pitching that comes into them via free agency or via trade. And you kind of have to point at the pitching coach. Is you know, is Dave Bush the problem here? Is he the guy who just can't quite get the most out of these pitchers? We have some young arms in the rotation and in the bullpen right now. They've had some good moments. Brian Bayo certainly, you know, first half of the season looked like the real deal, but his last few starts have been shaky. Garrett Whitlock, injury problems, all sorts of that going on, but he's looked shaky. 
Tanner Houck, hard to really judge that. He gets hit in the face. What are you going to do? But even before the injury, Tanner Houck was also looking inconsistent and shaky. So I guess the ultimate question is, let's face it, the Red Sox, this their season is very close to ending. They're likely not going to make the playoffs. And it's likely that as a result of that, some heads might have to roll. Is Dave Bush on the hot seat after this season, given how every other team that's contending, their pitching seems to take a step forward? The Red Sox always seem to take a step back. Charlie, I'm going to start with you. Do you think Dave Bush is on the hot seat, should be on the hot seat? What do you think? Well, it's it's pretty remarkable that we're seeing – to answer your question, yes. The, the, the short story is hell yes. I mean, to, to make a case that he should still be here is is laughable. And I'm sure there are a couple clowns out there that would think, oh, no, he's not the problem. It's it's Cora or it's Bloom or, uh, you know, it's just been unluck with, you know, bad luck with injuries. Well, all right, cool. Well, maybe that's the case, but you can't deny the fact that there are certain players that have, you know, even so much as this year within the last couple of weeks, forget about the starting pitching situation with the absolute nightmare that we've had, you know, Martin Perez even, you know, was one name who did really well before he came to Boston. Then he came to Boston, wasn't that great, and then dominated in Texas. Uh, a little bit of a slowdown as of late. But the the one name that I've had the, you know, <laughs> ability to see on a regular basis now is Ryan Brazier. And Ryan Brazier, as far as pitchers are concerned, has completely turned the page, has done incredibly well. And maybe it's a credit to their program in L.A., but I think it's a dual credit slash discredit. The Dodgers did great with a player that just needed to get like a, a some fine-tuning. And the Red Sox just find new ways to break pitchers and make them go in the wrong direction. They, they I mean, a pitching coach with any wherewithal should have known that, you know, the first time that Garrett Whitlock got injured – you don't you don't keep putting him back in the starting rotation. You'd think that he'd have a little bit more common sense, but I mean, he's part of the reason why we're in this situation. It's a mess, and he's he's a big part of that that problem. Terry, what are your thoughts on Dave Bush? You guys have touched on a few things uh, already, uh, and actually, you know what? Before I even get into this, unrelated. Because if I don't mention it now, I won't. You mentioned Michael Chavis. You know, one of the contributing factors of the Red Sox losing. I had no idea he was even on the Nationals. I'm just sitting there dubbing around. You know, this is what, game two. And Michael Chavis walks up to the plate against James Paxton. I'm like, oh, oh, look at Chavis. He's only hit one home run. Oh, wait, now he's hit two. He crushes Paxton. And I'm like, two seconds before that, I didn't even know he was there. So, and then, you know, Jeter Downs kind of made his mark, just some slappy contact hitting. I think he scored two runs in the finale. But anyway, back to the pitching here. So, I, I've i been a critic of Dave Bush for a while. Like, nobody comes to the Red Sox and gets better. No veterans. Everybody gets worse. They get worse, and like you said, Jason, in some cases, their career ends. They come to the Red Sox to die professionally. Um, and then you look at the Dodgers, and 
there's a link between the Dodgers and, and Bloom because Andrew Friedman is the Dodgers GM and and he comes from Tampa. And Bloom is from Tampa. So they they oversaw the same pitching program, like how to de- develop pitching and so uh, the Dodgers are thriving and they're turning careers around and and the Red Sox not so much with again both top executives coming from Tampa Lance Lynn having the worst year of his career in Chicago this first half of the season 647 ERA he's got after tonight he he pitched seven scoreless innings against the Brewers that drops his ERA down to 1.44 in four outings. Ryan Brazier, like Charlie said, a 1.16 ERA. The laughing stock of the Red Sox. The punching bag of Red Sox Twitter was Ryan Brazier. Every night it was like a reenactment of that scene from Scarface where Al Pacino gets lit up by a machine gun. That was Ryan Brazier on Red Sox Twitter. And he is one of the best relievers right now in the Dodgers bullpen. Guess who went to the Dodgers in that Lance Lynn trade? Joe Kelly. Four outings, scoreless. And that's assuming he didn't pitch tonight. If he pitched tonight, um, I actually have it right here. Uh, He did not pitch tonight. So still four scoreless outings for Joe Kelly. What is it with the Dodgers? They take these struggling pitchers and then instantly they're fixed. It's their program. Their program is so much better than the Red Sox pitching program. Dave Bush can't solve anything. And it's a shock to me that he still has his job. Now, 2015, the Red Sox fired Juan Nieves, who was the pitching coach Throughout the 2013 campaign, we won a World Series with him as the pitching coach. They fired him in favor of uh, Carl Willis. And Willis turned Rick Porcello around. Uh, Porcello wins a Cy Young the next season with Willis as the pitching coach. Um, Previous to him, CeCe Sabathia won a Cy Young uh, under Carl Willis. And he had one more Cy Young winner uh, before coming to the Red Sox. I forget who that was. But but that move was made midseason. And from what I can remember, things turned around for some guys on the Red Sox pitching staff. Wade Miley had a couple of good months towards the end. Um, Joe Kelly was a starting pitcher. Won like eight games in a row with Carl Willis as his pitching coach. So... I don't get why Dave Bush is still with the Red Sox. Like, what what do they think he's going to do? And you look at Chris Sale and and Garrett Whitlock, just not healthy. You know, I may I that might have nothing to do with Dave Bush, but he has overseen some. You know, some. You know, some relatively serious injuries. So. I don't know what it is, but man, you, Charlie, you say hopefully, hopefully we you know we win this Yankee series. Now, me being the objective podcaster that I am, did pick the Red Sox to win that series, 
but I hope we get swept. I hope I, I burn it down. Burn it down is what we win a World Series way faster. We could win the World Series next season with a new GM, with a new mindset. We could win it next season, but we won't. We're going to get Zach Davies this winter. I'm calling it. That's who we're getting. Yeah, I could totally see, yeah, Zach Davies or some other journeyman starter is going to be the next one-year, $10 million train wreck that the Red Sox bring in. And there's another aspect to comparing what the Red Sox do to what the Dodgers do that's really interesting is that the Dodgers don't just fix guys when they get them. They also know when to move on from certain pitchers at just the right time. And the best example of that is Alex Wood. Alex Wood was a really good left-hander. He started out in Atlanta, then went to the Dodgers, had some really good years there. 2016, he won 16 games with an ERA under three. And, you know, looked like one of the best left-handers in the game. 2017, another, or excuse me, that was 2017. 2018, another good year for the Dodgers. They ended up trading him along with like Puig and couple of other guys to the Reds part of who they got back in that trade was Jeter Downs and Josiah Gray Jeter Downs they would later flip in a deal for Mookie Betts as we all know Josiah Gray they would later flip in a deal to get Max Scherzer so they just they know how to maneuver the trade market better than the Red Sox do because we've talked about like it's amazing that Nick Pavetta is still on this team. The Red Sox could have had a chance to sell on Nick Pavetta at some point. They could have. Now, would they have gotten that kind of package back for him? No, he's not as good as Alex Wood was in 2018. But they could have done it. Instead, they've just held on to him to the point where, we talked about it on the last show, feels like he's starting to regress. Feels like he's starting to get back to the old Nick Pavetta with the ERA in the mid-fours and, you know, just not giving you really quality starts anymore. So again, that's just a missed opportunity. Instead of selling on a guy that you could sell on, they're going to hang on to him. And yeah, wouldn't shock me at all if they bring in, you know, they bring in just some Zach Davies type on a one-year deal and he comes in and just implodes. And I think a lot of that does have to do with Dave Bush and the pitching program that the Red Sox are following. It's just not, it's not there. It, it's not working. No one's really taking a big major step forward pitching-wise. They're just – we thought Bayo was, but I don't know. I mean, it, his last few starts have said otherwise. And that's that's going to be the real shame. If they don't fire Dave Bush and they don't make some sort of change there, they're not going to get the best out of Brian Bayo. And that might be just another top prospect that you wasted – because for whatever reason, Dave Bush has to be here. And I just, I don't know, that doesn't make much sense to me. Charlie, any other, any other thoughts? What's, so you just, you just talked about something that's very near and dear to my heart, being Brian Bale. It would be, I mean, you got to wonder now, Brian Bale, not a flamethrower, not striking a lot of people out. What would happen to Brian Bale if Brian Bale went to the Dodgers? Would he be like the next Pedro? Would he be striking out ten guys a game? Is is this like the, you know, the the new Spencer Strider almost? And Strider's pitching out of his damn mind 
but would Bayo benefit from pitching for the Dodgers? And what would a Hall return be if the Dodgers were to say, not get Shohei Otani, but you know, you know, make a crazy move for Brian Bayo? Like, what would that return be? I, I, I don't think Bayo's tradable. I think he's someone that will continue to to be, you know, I, I see him as the future ace of the Boston Red Sox, but if your pitching program and your pitching coach are not that great, you got to wonder. You can't really say, oh, the players just never really turned out. Maybe you'll need to look inward, pull your fingers out, realize the problems from within. It's not the players, it's the coaches. So definitely something that people are going to have to think about as far as Brian Bayo is concerned um, with the current pitching coach. And yeah, Bayo's going to be the test case now because he was developed by this regime. He came up to the big leagues under this regime. And if nothing changes the next two years and Bayo, you know, let's say he becomes sort of a good pitcher, but really trends towards more of a three or a four. Did they waste his potential? Did they not get as much out of him? And Charlie, you just called him untradeable. And I would agree right now. Yes, I, I would put Brian Bayo on the list of untouchables for the Red Sox in two years. If he stays the same and just, just is just kind of an average pitcher, then that, you know, he's no longer in that untouchable category. Now he's just another sort of okay, young mid twenties pitcher that you have like a Chris Murphy, like a Brandon Walter, one of these guys, if that's the case, then oof, then you really have to look at it. I mean, if Dave Bush isn't fired by then, I really don't know what they're doing. It's that that would be a real shame. We're we're already seeing um, you know, record number of innings for him. He's doubled up his innings. Strikeouts are are not nearly at the the one to one for like strikeout to nine. He's had 15 decisions in 20 starts, eight and seven um on the year. He has been able to drop his ERA almost a full run as far as uh, a nine in the game is concerned. So we've seen a drop from 4.71 to 3.81, almost one. But I really, I have to believe that Bayo is the future because if he's not, we're, we're in big trouble because we have a very horrible track record of drafting pitchers that are successful and just figure it out. We're depending on signing players, trading for players, doing what the Boston Red Sox are known to do. When we needed something, we would just go out and buy it. We didn't draft Chris Sale. We didn't draft Pedro Martinez. We had GMs that pulled their fingers out and realized we needed to make a a big move to enhance the team for not only this year, but for the foreseeable future. And they may need to do that again. The Red Sox will have to really dig deep and and add another pitcher, and it's not going to be in the form of a draft or or an off season, you know, player who's oh really really good in Cuba or something like that. You're going to have to you're going to have to trade and get one of those guys, and it's going to happen if they want to be relevant. They have to do it. So I'm um, looking at the the trade uh, that sent Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly over to the Dodgers. Um, the White Sox got back three prospects in that deal. Uh, Nick Nastrini, he's a, a right-handed starter in AA. Jordan Leisure, another right-handed pitcher. And Trace Thompson, 
Nestrini is now the number six prospect in the Chicago White Sox system. The other two, not in the top 30. So this wasn't, you know, a major haul. And the number six prospect in the White Sox system is probably the number 17th prospect in, in the Orioles system. So, you know, so Bloom got, you know, he's getting beat. Like, why couldn't you make a deal like that to get two guys? You you could have used a Joe Kelly and, and a Lance Lynn. And, and then Dombrowski getting Michael Lorenzen, who pitches a no-hitter in his uh in his second start for the Phillies. I think the first one was a gem as well. Um and, and then he backed it up with a no-hitter. I mean, all these all these executives are just doing it better. They're just doing it better. And I'm sure Bloom may have looked at a guy like Lance Land and be like, this guy's completely washed. Why, why do why would we want him? And the Dodgers are like, hold my beer. And Lance Lynn is pitching like a number two in their rotation at 36, 37 years old. He's been around a long time. So it's just it's just frustrating to watch other teams just be so much better at pitching. Nobody, Dave Bush isn't helping anybody. Like, I would be horrified. If I was a young pitcher and I'm like, oh, this is where I'm going and, and this guy's going to, you know, show me the way and your your career is going to get messed up if uh, if Dave Bush has anything to do with it. And it's frustrating. Yeah. Well, and you made a good point about Bloom, you know, passing on a guy like Lance Lynn. That's the difference between Bloom and a lot of these executives. He looks at a guy like Lance Lynn and says, no, thanks. No, I'm good. But then he looks like Cor- at Corey Kluber and goes, now that's who I want. That's the guy I want. Here's here's your check for $10 million. That's, yep. Corey Kluber, yes. Lance Lynn, no. How's that working out? So it's just, I, I just don't know if he can identify pitching. I really, I, I'm not sure he can. It's so bad. It, it's so bad. I mean, he came from Tampa, and he's in his fourth year now with the Red Sox, and his best pitching prospects are in A-ball. That Bastardo kid, and uh, I think his last name's Pirellis. Uh, I'm not a prospects guy, so I'm not not completely up on him. Maybe there's some nerdy people in our audience that are a lot more familiar, but, but that's it. You got that Shane Drohan kid, but... I mean, he's been up and down. I guess he just had a pretty good start in his last outing, but still not not a guy to to get excited over. No. Yeah, and it's going to be a long time before we even get a verdict on those type of prospects. And by them, we may have a whole new regime anyway. So it, it may not even be relevant, you know. Um, but we talked about how Bloom, Friedman, those guys came from Tampa Bay. Um, it's hard to have a worse week as a franchise than the Tampa Bay Rays just had. Um, so the first bit of news coming out of there is that their ace, Shane McClanahan, is going to go undergo Tommy John surgery, ending his 2023 season. But because he's getting it so late, it's also going to put him out for pretty much all of 2024. There's basically 
zero chance that he pitches in the majors in 2024 as well. Uh, so that's a huge blow to that organization. Shane McClanahan is, was a Cy Young favorite before he went down. He's without a doubt their best starter right now. And once again, it's just another case of Tampa breaking one of their pitchers. Um, so that news was bad enough. And then hot off of that was the news that Wander Franco is being investigated by MLB for having uh, relations with an underaged female. Um, these, these were reports that sort of exploded on social media over the weekend. Um, Franco was immediately removed from the dugout. It's happened in the middle of the game that the Rays found out, and he was removed from the dugout, removed from the clubhouse. Um, since then, more reports have come out. Hector Gomez has been uh, reporting very closely about this. There's now a second girl who has come out and has accused Franco of having relations with her, also underage. And Hector Gomez's last update, as of this recording at least, was that a source close to the situation has basically said it's highly unlikely that Wander Franco ever plays Major League Baseball again. So uh, this was, you know, the Rays' number one shining prospect for many, many years. They locked him up, gave him a big extension. Um, no doubt he's an extremely talented player. We've seen it. Um, he was deemed to be the future of that franchise, and now looks like he's never going to play again. So, um, Charlie, I'll start with you. It, your, just your reaction to all the news coming out of Tampa Bay, and how do you think that affects that organization going forward? Um, well, I think for one, it's, it's an embarrassing situation to have to Tampa Bay. Um, this is a team that is known for turning gold from garbage. And I think it was exciting to see a player in Tampa Bay get this much clout. And I think recognition, uh, the last player I can remember being this, loved in Tampa Bay at the beginning of their career and really supported was Evan Longoria. And Evan Longoria was an absolute star back in the day. And he's still playing. He's playing for, you know, now he's playing in the National League. If I'm not mistaken, I think the Giants, I might be wrong on that. Um, that's what I can remember last. But when when you think of Wander Franco, you think just superstar talent. He was talked about for years he had a play earlier this year where he was fielding the ball. He threw the ball up to himself, caught it, and fired it first. And I was thinking, you know, there are going to be some people that absolutely hate this. There are going to be some people that absolutely love it. And there's not going to be anybody in the middle. Um, but this is just embarrassing. We, we live in a world now where you really are guilty until proven innocent. But it was like the Trevor Bauer effect. Every day there was another piece of news that came out. And then another young lady came out. Now you're starting to wonder, well, now there's two, three, I don't know on the number, so I don't want to state um, you know, the exact number because I don't know. But multiple people have, have come out and have said that, yeah, he, he engaged in an inappropriate relationship with me or in, engaged in an inappropriate relation with somebody else. Again, speculative, not saying that that's what happened, but... Either way, I mean, it's hard to imagine this young man ever playing Major League Baseball again. As far as I'm concerned, I think he has flushed his career down the toilet. And it blows my mind that 
it happened. I, the reason why I think it's more on the side of truth than not is that this man's already received, you know, he got his deal. It wasn't yesterday. He's he's it's been known for a while. And then all of a sudden things have come out. So it's really sad. It's really disappointing. Um, and you don't wish any ill will on any player, but when it involves something like this, it's, it's, it's past vulgar and inappropriate. It's just disgusting. If this is actually the truth, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know how anybody would say, yeah, this is somebody we want on our team. This is somebody who, who we support and we stand behind because at the end of the day, it could come out that this is all BS, but there, there are just too many things that have gone against him for me to think that that's going to be the case. It's really unfortunate, but I mean, you literally are seeing firsthand now in the age of social media, even more now than before, what happens when you make a bad decision and your life is forever ruined. You think about people that are not even that famous, that haven't even done anything, just within Red Sox Twitter. And I don't have to mention their name because it's not even worth mentioning. The guy is a piece of garbage. He was a nobody and did something really inappropriate and just disgusting. He's done. He is canceled from, from X, from Twitter. It's done. If you're a professional athlete and you actually went full send on that, you, you, gotta, you have to think about your future. And this is just someone who probably did not have a strong moral compass, probably did not have really, really great role models to help him, to, to guide him in the right direction. And his life is over. It's done. In two years, no one's going to know Wander Franco. Terry, your thoughts? Well, I try to keep an open mind. You know, I, I think there's a lot of cases where athletes are targeted and, you know, there's extortion attempts or maybe... You know, it, it could be a partner they had and they're just not handling a, a potential breakup well and then accusations come out and all that. When Bauer first had his accusations and you're seeing, you know, pictures of, of the girl and you, you hear there's a, there's a criminal investigation ongoing, I thought Bauer was most likely, you know, going to be in a lot of trouble and, and potentially never pitch again. And then, you know, you, an affidavit got released with his primary accuser, um, you know, admitting via text messages that, you know, she was trying to set up Bauer. And um, I've, I've tweeted that a couple of times too, a screenshot of that. But that that's what you know that's what drives my skepticism here and all these women came out against bauer and there's not one criminal investigation ongoing so i tend to lean toward bauer being innocent with wander franco you're seeing language come out of the media saying this is bad like this investigation is uncovering all kinds of stuff it never got that far with Bauer. Like it never got the media wasn't speculating. You had your, you know, you had your. 
I hate to go into this area, but you know, there's there's journalists out there with agendas. So you got those types of of articles, I guess is the safest way for me to put that. And, and that's the stuff that came out. But he was never really close to being charged at all. It it certainly looks like that's about to be the case here with Franco. And there were things about him I, I wouldn't have been crazy about if he was with the Red Sox. Kevin Cash had to bench him because he was having hissy fits, basically. Uh, and the exact words were he wasn't being a good teammate. So... You know, if he's not a good teammate in the clubhouse, what kind of a guy is he outside? And I'm not saying, I mean, we we don't have the hard evidence right now. The stuff that these writers are talking about from their sources, like we don't have the details that, that those guys have, but it's it's unfortunate and it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary. What if... What if a prominent Red Sox prospect that might be on the roster, or maybe they might be in the upper levels of uh, the minors getting ready to debut within the next year? What if one of those guys goes down, uh, uh, you know, legitimately or not? It's scary to, to lose a, a huge chunk of your future. And uh, eventually, I feel like it's going to happen to us at some point. It's going to happen to every team, I feel like. And hopefully the Rays, I hope they don't get stuck with that contract. I really do. It's bad for baseball if the Rays have to pay the, the balance of that, which initially was $188 million. So biggest contract in their history. And that, that's a big contract for any team. That's a big contract for even a big market team. So I don't know what the ramifications are uh you know with those situations that uh, you have a much different situation with the nationals you know injury related with steven strasburg the nationals have to pay that but if i'm just wondering if franco is on the restricted list forever maybe that's a way to get around paying him trevor bauer got a, a two-year suspension essentially 300 and some odd games and that got reduced down to they basically took one season off of that and and um so that was a steep penalty and that was unprecedented so i don't know i don't know how you can get a a 10-year suspension that that just sounds weird uh but hopefully there's a way around it I, i don't think any team should get stuck with that type of a contract and I, I would hope the players' union would support that. You know, the players' association, players' union, you know, they don't typically get along too well with the owners and, and sometimes the commissioner. So um, this thing is in its infancy. I, I'll agree. I mean, I, I typically, you know, side with the player until there's some pretty hardcore evidence out there. And right now it's not looking good, but... You know, we're probably days away, uh, maybe weeks, hopefully not that long. But, um, you know, from finding out what the scope of this is. I mean, there's rumors that he got a girl pregnant that was under the age of 16. That's a rumor. (laughs) So that's what that's what I'm saying. We got to we got to wait for more information to come out. But 
like you said, Jason, tough, tough week for the Rays. And if we can dive into their pitching situation for a minute. Uh, so Shane McClanahan, Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rasmussen were their top three. That was their one, two, three on opening week. Tyler Glass now it would probably be number two on that list, but he wasn't going to be pitching for a while. So again, McClanahan, Springs, Rasmussen all lost to Tommy John surgery. <laughs> That's I mean that's unprecedented. Like if you have one in a year, that's pretty bad. Um, it was Jeffrey Springs had just signed a long-term extension, four or five years for somewhere in around sixty million, and that's a lot for the Rays. Um, so I don't. It sounds like that would be hard to come back from, but I've got their depth chart up. And Glass now is their ace, you know, kind of goes without saying. They picked up Aaron Savali, and he has pitched very well for them. He's got a uh, he's got a two point four four ERA on the season. Uh, where is he? I can't find his game logs on ESPN. Um, he's must have made a couple of starts here. Um. His last two, he he must have pitched against Cleveland. Uh, he did. Five innings, just two earned runs. He went six innings against the Giants, zero earned runs. Uh, August 5th, that must have been him because he couldn't have been traded in August. Uh, that's against the Tigers. He, he did get tagged for three runs and four and a third. But Aaron Savali is their number two right now in, in pitching extremely well. Zach Eflin uh, has had a pretty decent uh, season with the Rays. So they've got a serviceable one, two, three. Here's something hilarious. You want to trash the Red Sox pitching program? Zach Lytell is their number four. He had a cup of coffee with the Red Sox, I think in May or June, and just got destroyed. And they DFA'd him within days of signing him. He's got he's got a 3.99 ERA on the season and he's been stretched out to be a starter. He's pitched 5 innings or more in his last 4 um games against Houston, the Tigers, the Cardinals and the Giants. A couple bad teams in there but still some decent offenses. He hasn't given up more than 3 earned runs in any of those starts off of the Red Sox scrap heap. So he's their number four and uh, number five on their depth chart uh, is Shane Baz, but he's showing IL 60 days. So um, they're going to they're going to pull pitching from everywhere and it's going to work. But but offensively, it's tough, um, you know, with Franco not being in there, you got a Rosarena, you got. Brandon Lau, you got Diaz, but I don't know where the rest of your offense comes from beyond them. Yeah, pitching wise, replacing McClanahan, they'll they'll do it. The Rays churn out pitching left and right. You know, they and you mentioned Sack Lytel, they they find guys off the scrap heap, turn them into gems. So that they'll be able to replace, but getting over losing your future of the franchise, your face of the franchise kind of player, especially to 
a scandal like this. And again, yeah, we don't know the full scope of it just yet, but uh, early on the tea leaves do not look good for the Franco situation. Um, that's, that's going to be much harder to recover from. And in terms of the money, I, I think all it's going to come down to is MLB saying, did you know about this when you signed him? If the answer is no, which I imagine it is, they'll find some way to get out of the money. I don't know how exactly you do that. I don't know the legalities behind that, getting out of a contract, you know, of money that you owe to a guy, even if he's, you know, it depends on if he ever gets sentenced, I'm, I'm sure. That's all stuff that's way further down the line. But I imagine that there's a way that the Rays can get out of that contract. And, and you know, especially if, again, if they didn't know about any of this when they signed him, how can you possibly penalize a team for that and force them to continue to pay that contract? There's just no way. So I imagine they'll get out of that. I think they'll they'll end up figuring out a way to do it as well. Um, I know the Yankees got out of having to pay A-Rod when he was suspended for, for drugs, you know, taking um, performance-enhancing substances, not once, not twice, but like a, I think a third time, and he lost a whole season. I forget what year it was, but he had a whole year of his just – race you didn't get the play because you cheated the game now that the game is going to cheat you out of historical numbers moving forward um i don't think the rays knew about this beforehand i mean this is someone who i mean was very very young when he had his opportunity uh to play major league baseball and sign as um a free agent because he wasn't drafted i don't believe he was drafted right he was uh from the free agent he was an uh, international free agent that was signed, That's right? That's correct. Yeah. So I don't I don't know how much background there really was done or, or background research that was done. To be completely transparent, I would be shocked if anyone were to penalize the Rays for this. I think the Rays, if they end up doing the right thing, they will they will say, you know what, the contract is going to be null and void because he's no longer playing for the team. He's not. He's he's no longer in Major League Baseball. No team is going to uh, to pay his contract, and I think Major League Baseball would say, you know what, let's let's agree to disagree. I think MLBPA also doesn't want to be on the wrong side of that one either. I don't think anybody in that group wants to say, oh yeah, they should honor that deal for someone who was doing inappropriate things. Period. So yeah, Terry. Uh, it seems like going back to Franco that the investigation is centered entirely around the Dominican Republic. Uh, you know, I assume that, you know, there was stuff going on in Florida and perhaps there would be investigations and potential charges here in the United States. And it doesn't seem to be the case. I mean, everything's pointing towards the Dominican Republic right now. And one of the things I, you know, that crossed my mind is we all love David Ortiz, but I mean, I think we can all admit some things might have been swept under the rug with his assassination attempt. There were rumors maybe he had ties and things that weren't, and none of that was ever confirmed. But, uh, you know, uh, all of that's just in our face right now. And, and we're going through it with, with Franco. But that was a very weird investigation in the Dominican Republic. So are those going to be the same investigators handling Franco? And apparently not because there is a division basically for, I forget what it's called, but it, it focuses on crimes against children 
and that's going to be the division that that does it. So, and Franco hasn't reached the point of royalty yet, like David Ortiz has. So, you know, he he's he might not get uh, you know you know nothing is likely to get swept under the rug here. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Again, I typically side with the player until the, the damning information comes out, but it, it does seem like we are on the verge of, of that information. So, um, and like I said, you've got some credible sources here that are, you know, saying it's, it's not going to be good when it does come out. So, um, you know, it, as far as like prison is concerned, that's the one group, uh, that has no protection and it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're playing on. If you're, if you're doing something crazy, I mean, I mean, let's be real for a second. The David Ortiz thing was very, very bizarre. There were rumors again, no one can confirm or deny because we don't know. But there was an alleged situation that David Ortiz may have had uh, an extramarital affair with a, uh, you know, a girlfriend of a drug lord or something like that, which sounds very far-fetched. But that whole situation was very, very odd. Um, if you go to prison for doing something to a minor inappropriately, everybody in jail you, it doesn't matter what group you play for, what side of the fence you're on, you're a target. And they're all aligned. That's the one group in prison that is not protected. And you know what? That's just too bad for you, isn't it? Because if you're if you're going to take advantage of, again, alleged, because uh, I don't want to be told that, oh, I said this, that, and the other, whatever. Um, if you're going to take advantage of somebody as a minor, and you're going to get caught for it. Yeah, you're you're going to pay dearly for it. And truth be told, I think that's one of the most disgusting and unforgivable things that any person can do. And if that's if that ends up coming to light, where all this this proof comes out, I hope they lock them in a room and they they throw away the key. I I've mentioned this before. Um, I was a corrections officer for three years. It's it's been a while since I you know I I worked in that profession, but. You're right, Charlie. It's the honor among thieves. Like you could be a total dirtbag in a in a certain area of crime, and you'll be accepted in in jail. You know whether you're you know a bank robber, even a murderer. Um, and, but if you've committed a crime against a woman or a child, they will not tolerate you. They will not tolerate you, and. Typically, you'll go to protective custody. Uh, you know that type of a person will have to go to protective custody because general population will, you know, will cause a lot of harm to them. And there were a few times in those few years where one of those people did end up in general population, and the unit found out about it, and we had to promptly you know, remove the individual and put them in protective custody. And that's, that's called being checked out of the unit. They checked him out, you know, and, you know, so it is what it is life. If he in fact does do prison time, which again, we're a long ways away from that, but, 
Uh, if it happens, it's uh, he's going to be living a much different life than all of his buddies in, in Major League Baseball. Yeah, and certainly early reports seem like it, it's probably headed that way. But like you said, Terry, we, we got a, you know, a ways to go before any of that becomes official. But uh, either way, the Rays will be, out, be without their ace and they'll be without their superstar for a very long time. So uh, tough news for them, but it's the way it goes. So with that, we will wrap up this roundtable. Um, keep an eye out for the weekend crew recapping the Yankee series. That episode will come out for your Monday morning commute. So until then, everyone, take care.